Hello. That's Sarah. And that is Emily. And this is Lightweight True Crime. to do one-handed <laughs> like got under my fingernail um emily what are we drinking well i'm drinking a smirnoff ice margarita flavor and i'm drinking a smirnoff ice a ridge and ryan is finishing some of our old drinks Ooh. i wouldn't say it tastes like margarita this is tasty it tastes like lime this is tasty just hit my funny bone on my chair i'm sorry i'm so drunk <laughs> um Interest a funny Smirnoff story. Uh-huh. When my grandfather died three years ago, we went out to his barn mm-hmm. and found out that he had been stashing away bottles of Smirnoff vodka for years and years because he wanted us to use them for his funeral. Oh my god! <laughs> so he had already pre-bought all the booze for the after party. That's so sweet. I know, right? Bud, bud, Ugh, bud. bud liked I his have a alky. crazy Smirnoff story too. Do tell. A couple years ago. Ryan, my husband's Mm -hmm. mother and sister, decided to ice everybody for Christmas. So, like, like, what does that mean? So, icing is like this stupid college game that (laughs) apparently we still play (laughs) as almost 30 year olds, where, like, if you find a bottle of like the ice, you have to immediately down on one knee, chug it all right there. If you there. find a bottle of Smirnoff ice, yeah. not just like ice cubes. Right. Okay. Correct. Smirnoff ice. So like people will like hide it places. That would, I would get alcohol poisoning yeah. because I just can't handle that much. I would throw yeah. up immediately. So they would like put it, they'd like secretly put it in our gifts and like give it to people. Oh my god! Because they were like playing Santa, you know, they were the person who handed out the presents. So they first give it to one of our cousins and then they're like, okay, Emily, you're not like after Jake chugs it, they're like, okay, Emily, here, you open a present. And I'm like, oh, oh. no. And so I pull it out and I'm like, Ryan, you got to do this for <laughs> me because I can't do it because I was like three weeks pregnant <laughs> and all of Ryan's family is like, oh, Emily, you're such a party pooper. Oh. And then they... The next present they gave me, they put another one in there. Oh and my I was gosh. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Ryan, you're going to have to do this. And I was like, I'm driving. I can't. Oh. I even have one. And they're like, you're such a party pooper. And that's how they found out that I was pregnant. Did you tell them or did they just like deduce <laughs> no, it? No, they night? just deduced it. And I had, I texted his sister like while I was sitting there. I was like, please stop giving me those because I can't drink them. Yeah. And. She didn't see it until later. Oh, and then my gosh. I like from across the room, she looked up at me with like <laughs> huge eyes and went like, what? And I was like, we're, we're going to go talk outside right now. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Oh, and now you have a beautiful bundle of joy who shall remain unnamed. Shall remain unnamed. We actually named him Anonymous. <laughs> did you name him Smirnoff? We did. We Smirnoff, named him Smirnoff Anonymous. A little smeary. Mm, that's precious. I love that. Yeah. 
Well, no. if, do you have a story? I do. I do have a story uh-huh. to tell you because this is a podcast where two girls share a drink and a story. And so you're going to share your story. I'm going to share the story. Okay. Let us get into this. So as I was trying to think of what story to research, mm-hmm. um, I it suddenly hit me. This is one that happened very near to where I grew up in McMinnville, Oregon. Um, and I actually have driven past the crime scene many, many times. So we'll begin on Sunday, August 19th, 2018. So not very long ago. That is, uh, three days before said unnamed baby was born. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Full circle. Keep going. Jennifer weather called the, that's not a real name. It is a real name. I, I promise you. She called the Yamhill County Dispatch non-emergency line. What up, Yamhill County? That is my county that I grew up in. Um, So she calls the non-emergency line. On Saturday the 18th, the day before, she and her daughter had uh, attended a wedding near Dayton, Oregon. Dayton is like even smaller than McMinnville, but out in like... So like like two people live there? So like four people total live there. Um, And fun story, actually, uh, my grandmother, like, graduated from Dayton high school and she, but she moved from Portland to Dayton and did her junior and senior year in Dayton. And she hated it so much because she had like lived in Portland yeah. and was like, now I'm here with lived like four in the people big city. lived in the big city. Um, so she, the day before she had gone to this wedding in Dayton in this rural area in Yamel County. Um, and she told the dispatcher that when they left the wedding the night before, uh, in the car, they had had a disagreement, which had caused Megan to get out of the car and walk away barefoot, leaving her keys, her phone, and her toddler What in the car. So the mom is driving says, and says that, like, her daughter um, just gets out and, like, gets so upset about whatever out they're talking moving, about. Out of a Like, gets vehicle? out of the car, no shoes, no wallet, no keys, and her, like, toddler is in the car seat, right? Um, and, like where Dayton is and like where they were driving, like I know where this is, mm-hmm. there isn't anything for miles. So this yeah. is not like, it's, and what gets me is that like, if you're, if you're so mad at your mom, you don't leave your kid with somebody that you're mad at. You don't leave your kid with someone that you're mad at. And also, even if you're insane, like unless you're in like super danger, you don't get out in that yeah. area. Like you're not, like you're going to get murdered on the side of the road or you're going to wander around in a cornfield until daylight. So this is what she said to the dispatch operator. I'm sorry. My daughter's been missing since last night and I'm getting kind of worried because she's supposed to work in 10 minutes and I haven't heard anything from her. We were at a wedding and she, she was upset and got out of the car and I haven't heard from her since. And I haven't been able to find her. I drove around for two hours this morning looking for where she got out of the car. And so I don't know if I should call 911 or if I have to wait a certain amount of time. Now, also, another thing to bring up is that, like, if I was driving with a family member that I was fighting with and they got out, oh, a female family member in particular. My daughter. Right, my daughter. No shoes, no keys, no phone in this, like, rural area. I'm also, like, not leaving. Yeah. Until, like, they come back and, like, they can sit in the back of the car. That's fine. But you're not going to leave them. I don't care if the mom did it or not. She's guilty. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Guilty of something. So the dispatcher says that she could report her daughter missing right away. Um, And... Yeah, that's, like... 
hi i don't know where my daughter is but i don't i don't want to bug you so right like, and like i get that like some areas you have to wait like 24 hours but, but like, like this is not also like no parent wants to wait 24 right. hours if it's if it was my kid i wouldn't be like okay can you please let me know like how long i have to wait until i could do this i'd be like i don't care about your rules right you are finding my daughter now right so she says that you can report her missing right away. And uh, the mom, Jennifer, says that she had checked with local hospitals and jails to see if like something had happened to her and she mm-hmm. wound up there. And she went on to say, and she doesn't have her phone. She didn't have her phone. She left it in my car. She didn't have her wallet. Everything was in my car. So this call to this non-emergency line sets in motion the search for this 27-year-old mother. This is also terrifying because yeah in 2018 i was also uh 27 yeah or mm, sure yeah yeah Mm -hmm. math is hard um so which included like countless numbers of volunteers like over like 300 volunteers searching on the ground there was a drone and a fixed wing plane that were among the tools like looking for this girl um And a lot of this support was because her father was a fire department captain in Clackamas County, which is a neighboring county. Um, So all these people and all these like high tech tools, because you would need, I feel like you would need a plane and a drone just because it's just like miles of farmland. So like you would probably pretty easily see like a person person. um, just because there's not a lot of buildings. Yeah. Um, So they are searching the farmland, the woods and the river near the wedding venue. So... She goes missing Saturday night. The mom calls the non-emergency line on Sunday. And then all these people, like, after that call, are searching. On Thursday morning, runners discover a woman's body down an embankment wearing a blue pantsuit, which was the outfit Megan was last seen in at the wedding, near Oregon Highway 18 between Dayton and McMinnville. I know exactly where that is. (laughs) I drove that, like, I have driven past that one million times, yeah. that embankment, um, which is about eight miles north from where she was last seen. Dang. So I remember when they found the body, because it was pretty quickly after, because yeah. I was following this story. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember when they found the body, and and I remember saying to my dad, like, she was eight miles north of where she was last seen. That's, like, you I can't imagine a person walking eight miles in the dark with no shoes, like in that farmland. Like, so I remember like hypothesizing with my dad, like either like somebody pick her up off the side of the road and then like drove a little bit and killed her or like killed her right there where they found her and then like took took her her body. Like it was very, it was like nowhere near where the mom said, um, that she had, that she had gotten out. Yeah. So bodies found, and an autopsy by the Oregon State Medical Examiner's Office told a story of the evening that was very different than the one that the mom had told the police. Miss Weathers. Miss Weathers. So Megan's feet, first of all, did not show signs of having walked nine miles without shoes in like rural yeah. Oregon, right? Like it's it's possible that this, we're talking like dirt roads. Like, yeah. Um, so an examiner say that her cause of death is blunt force trauma because she has suffered head trauma and two of her vertebrae were broken. Yikes. Yeah. So in a um, memo that I believe the prosecutor penned, um, 
he, the prosecutor like outlined what he thought the hours leading up to Megan's death looked like. So the day before the wedding, um, apparently like there's someone who said that Megan and her mom argued about who would be driving to the reception, who would be driving them home from the reception. Uh Right. So Megan apparently didn't want to be the one driving because she wanted to drink. And the mom was like, well, your baby's going to get fussy. And like, if I drive you home, we're going to have to leave like a lot earlier than I want to. So there was already like some tension about Mm -hmm. like, who's going to drive us home, which is like, okay, listen, none of us like being super sober at a wedding, but like, we all take our turns of being DDs. Um, Plus like if, like if the mom is saying that like, if she drives, she's going to have to leave early because the baby's fussy. But if Megan drives, she's still going to have to leave early and she was her mom's ride. Right. So, like, maybe they were like, I want to go separately. And yeah. maybe Megan was like, no, let's go together because I want you to be my DD. So, I don't know. Okay. So, um, they go to Dayton and they had planned to go to this wedding in Dayton and then return home to um, uh, to the mom's house in King City. Um, which, that's like a, that's a hike. Like, that's mm. like maybe like 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, wow. Um King City is also where Hillary lives. Um, so the plan was they're going to go to the wedding together. Then they were going to come back and spend the night at the mom's house. So they drank throughout the night. Like guests at the wedding say that they like drank quite a bit Both. throughout the night. Both of them. Multiple guests told police um, that the mom who, who called about her daughter being missing um, became intoxicated to the point that like people who saw her were like, yeah, she should not have been driving anyone anywhere. Um so the baby gets fussy, the, the Megan's baby gets fussy. And so Megan, Jennifer and the baby leave around 10 PM. And, uh, the mom, Jennifer told police that she and her daughter get into an argument while they're in the car. Like they can't be that far away from the wedding venue because they're still yeah. in Dayton. And Megan like demands that she pull over and let her out of the car. And Jennifer says that Megan gets out of the car, right, without anything and just disappears into the night. Okay, devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. If she really is that drunk, she might have gotten out of the car. And if she's like, we haven't gone that far, I'm getting out. I'm going to go back to this wedding. Maybe she got lost. Possible. And if the mom was drunk, maybe she would have let her do it. In which case, she shouldn't have been driving a toddler or anyone. But possible. Plausible. So it was, so he's like, okay, here's what I think, or here's what the mom told us happened. He said, but where he thinks the stories like diverge is that police found a clump of the mom's hair in her car, like, Mm -hmm. like a clump of hair that had been pulled out indicating that they had had like a physical altercation in the car. And Megan, after they did the autopsy on Megan, her injuries did not line up with that of someone who jumped out of a low speed car. Right. Yeah. Um, like, like you would not break two vertebrae and like have yeah. like massive head trauma from yeah. jumping out of a low speed car. So the prosecutor said that police believed Megan opened her car door while her mom was accelerating onto the highway 18 on ramp. Know exactly where that is. Mm. Um, actually, you know whose house it's really close to? This is like stone throw from Jace's house. <gasps> yeah. Dick and Kate. Dick and Kate. Like legit though. Um, so they did it. <laughs> Yeah, it probably was them. Um, So they think that she was accelerating onto Highway 18, um, and Megan opens her car door, and 
police say that they don't know whether she lost her balance or she jumped jumped out on purpose. Um, And like maybe she was drunk and thought I can do this or like maybe she lost her balance and it like wasn't what she wanted to do. Um, They don't know. He said that the evidence pointed to the mom, Jennifer, um, like that she kept driving after Megan jumped out of the car. Um, And obviously she didn't call police right away. Yeah. And obviously was not honest with them about like where her daughter was last seen. Um, So, well, maybe it was police who penned that memo anyway, because the Yamhill County prosecutor, whose name is Benjamin Donner, um, said that Jennifer, the mom, took a wrong turn while driving and uh, he guesses that she didn't call 911 right away because she didn't want to get arrested for yeah. drunk driving. So she was later charged. Um, Jennifer, the mom was later charged with a DUI and reckless endangerment. Uh, she pled guilty to one count of a DUI in February and was only sentenced to like three days in jail. Oh my gosh. Um, she is not allowed to have any contact with her granddaughter who now is being raised by her father. Good. And um, Judge Cynthia Easterday, who is the Yamhill County judge, uh, it says, an article, I believe, from Oregon um, Live says, wanted to impress on Jennifer the gravity of drinking and driving. From the bottom of your soul, I hope you are sorry, the judge told her, and I'm not getting that from you. Mm. Um, There are so many ripple effects related to this, she said. It's a whole new way of life for everybody. And that is the story of the disappearance and murder of Megan Cordy. So did Jennifer ever like say like, yeah, that's what happened? I don't think she's ever, from what I've come across, like she's never confirmed um, what has happened. I just, it like, I can't imagine like a mother like having like that happen. Yeah. And then like going home and going to sleep that night. Yeah. And then being like, I really need to save my ass from a drunk driving charge because it sounds like it was an accident. Yeah. It was, it was an accident, but also the mom was culpable because she was drinking, drinking and driving. driving, Right. So yeah, she's culpable. It's not like she intentionally murdered her daughter. Right. But like, she's still manslaughter. It's still manslaughter. And I like, what I don't know is did she like get out and like check check on on her? her and she was just like, a goner and so she left the body there or did she just like assume that she died and kept driving um either way it's bad I so I was my mom every year I don't I was home for like something last year my mom every year goes to Palm Springs with her girlfriends and for whatever I think I was I was home for something and so she was I was flying back to LA she was flying to Palm Springs with her friends and because my mother only travels at oh dark 30 mm-hmm. um we were on our way to the airport at like some obscene hour like 4 30 in the morning and we were picking up my mom's friends and we were picking up one of her friends who like her house is like right by the embankment uh-huh. and I I but I didn't know how like the story had turned out so I was like whatever happened to that girl like da 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 and this woman was just like wide-eyed because she's like they found her body like right over there and like she like couldn't could hardly talk about it because it was like My right gosh, by their house yeah um but also like psa don't drink and drive seriously never worth it never worth it never ever 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 Whew, that was mine all right well i'm gonna tell you the story of clarence elkins Ooh. um so melinda elkins is his wife so, so many th- melindas in your stories tonight well so, M- Melinda Elkins and her mother, Judy Johnson, 
um, appear on the Maury Povich show to talk about Melinda's adoption. Oh, dear. Because she's a Hicks baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> so if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to our last episode. I talk about the Hicks babies. Oh, my gosh. Um, so once they appear on the Maury Povich show, they start getting a lot of threats, um, including like some death threats, people who are like calling directly to their house um, because they're like people are mad that they're like defacing Dr. Hicks name because there's a lot of people down in McKaysville who still think that what he was doing was like saving babies and giving families babies. Um, and they're really in denial of all the bad stuff that he did. And so um, on June 7th, 1998, it was like a week after their Maury Povich show aired. Um, Judy Johnson is found murdered in her home. And so the m- mom, the mom. Yeah. So Adoptive the mom. Yes. Yeah, so okay. the, m- the mother who adopted Melinda from Dr. Hicks. Um, and so they kind of at first assume that it's just someone behind one of the threats. Um, and so what had happened was that um, that night. So I guess it was June 6th that night. Um, Judy was asleep on her couch and her six year old granddaughter was asleep in a nearby bedroom. Um, Judy was the babysitter of her granddaughter, Brooke. Um, And so like it wasn't weird that Brooke was spending the night there because she went there every day after school and sometimes spent the night there. Um, And so in the middle of the night, Brooke woke up and kind of heard some noises in the living room. And so she went out to check and saw a man attacking her grandmother So she went and hid in the bedroom, uh, but then the man came in and he found her and he punched her really hard in the face. So she passed out. Oh my, the little girl? Yeah, the six-year-old. And when she woke up in the morning, um, she realized she had been beaten and strangled and raped. And she went out to the living room and found her grandmother had also been beaten, strangled, and raped. Oh my gosh. And um, so she ran next door to the neighbor's. Um, cause this was, you know, in 1998, so right. it wasn't like, no she couldn't phones. like, yeah, yeah, text somebody and tell them to come. So she ran next door, plus she was six, right. so she didn't really right. know what to do. So she knocked on the door and, um, I think you pronounce it Tanya. It's T-O-N-I-A. Sure. Why not? Tanya answers the door and sees the little girl. She's six. She's covered in blood. She's clearly been beaten, strangled. And Tanya says, I don't have time for this right now. I'm making breakfast. Like, wait here. Closes the door, leaves Brooke on the porch for 45 minutes. Oh, all the story is flooding back to me now. Oh, my gosh. And then it's like, okay, I I can take you home now. I'm done making breakfast for my kids. And so as um, she's driving Brooke back to her mom's house, Brooke, or she... Tanya asks Brooke like what happened and she says it was there was a man that came in who kind of looked like her uncle Clarence um and so then when Tanya dropped Brooke off Tanya told Brooke's mom she said uncle Clarence did it and so um now all the adults think uncle Clarence did it right but um what Brooke was trying to say is like a tall man with brown hair came in um but like the adults tell the police Brooke said uncle Clarence did it. So, um, they arrest Clarence Elkins, um, and he's charged and he ends up being convicted of the murder and rape of Judy Johnson and the attempted murder and rape of Brooke, even though he had a solid alibi, he was out at bars and never alone. 
There's no physical evidence, and his DNA didn't match the DNA at the crime scene. The oh jury convicted them, oh convicted him gosh. only on Brooks' testimony. <gasps> oh my gosh. Eyewitness testimony is so unreliable. Right? Also, she's Especially sick she's and traumatized. Six. Yeah. Ooh. Plus, it was secondhand. Secondhand, Hand. and also the DNA yeah. doesn't match. Right. So, Melinda is Clarence's wife, and she is like dead set that he's innocent. She's like, sure. "There's no way he did this." And so, just yeah, is Melinda the Hicks baby? Yes. So it's so it's the niece of the Hicks yeah. baby. Okay. Yes, correct. All right. All right. So three days after her mother was murdered, she starts a list of 12 suspects because her husband, Clarence, ends up being arrested like the day after she's murdered. And so like two days after he's arrested, she's like, I got to prove he didn't do this. So she starts researching like sex offenders in the area, puts together a list of 12 people who were living in the area. They had addresses near there, had already like been convicted of crimes similar. Right. And Which you would hope the police would have done. Yeah. And she already knows a lot about DNA because she's been using DNA to try and find her biological family. So oh she my like, gosh. Wow. Yeah. So she's like, okay, the only way to do this is to get DNA that matches the crime Listen, scene. I was just on Maury. I know exactly right. what I'm talking about. Wow. Yeah. So she puts it upon herself to find and get the DNA of these 12 people. So she starts like stalking them, oh. following them. Stealing their cigarette butts. Oh my gosh. Taking empty beer bottles that they've used at bars. Even one guy she followed to a strip club oh. and started flirting with him. My gosh. So she could put her hands through his hair and take <gasps> hair. Oh my god! So she is like Whoa, an amazing dude. investigator. And so she like gathers all this DNA and she keeps it in her freezer. And at this time she has two teenage boys and she kind of just tells them like, don't use the freezer. It's mine now. <laughs> Please don't discard of anything <laughs> in the freezer. And they're kind of like, all right, I don't know what that's about, but whatever. They didn't really ask many questions. And so four years after he's convicted and oh she's gosh. been estranged from the rest of her family for this entire time. Yeah. Cause they're like, you're no, just covering for him. He did right. it. She randomly shows up at her sister's house. So Brooke's mom's house. Okay. And they get to talking and realize that they both like had information that the other didn't have mm. that would have been important at the trial. And so they kind of realized like, okay, it was unfair of me to like not talk to you. And like, okay, it was unfair of me for you to just assume that you were going to believe me. Yeah. Um, and so they start kind of working on it together, trying to like figure out the story of what happened. Cause at this time, Brooke is 10 and she's yeah. like, I don't know if it was uncle Clarence. Like, like people said, I said that, but I was six. And so covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. And so her mom is kind of like, maybe it wasn't uncle Clarence. Like we got to figure out what happened. And so one day Brooke is at Melinda's house and there's a picture of Clarence and she sees it in the hallway and just kind of goes, the killer had brown eyes and Clarence's eyes are blue. Oh my God. And so everyone is like, all right, that confirms it. Like, It could not have been Uncle Clarence. And so she like officially recants her testimony. Oh, my gosh. Um, and Clarence's defense lawyer tries to get a new trial. Um, but the prosecution is like, no, nah, Melinda's brainwashing her family into like covering for him. So the appeal gets overturned. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so she's like, all right, we can't like rely on people believing Brooke now, even though they believed her then. Right. So she's like, I got to get this DNA. Yeah. 
And so around the same time, she sees an article about this man and his wife who were arrested for raping their own children. And awful. the man's name is Earl Mann and his wife is Ta- Tanya Brasil, the neighbor. Oh my and goodness. And so this is the neighbor who left Brooke outside for 45 minutes. Right. Right after she had been raped and right. just saw her grandmother murdered. Yeah. And so the reason why like his name didn't show up when she was searching for sex offenders in the area is that they weren't legally married. So he didn't have to report that as his address. <sighs> so he was living there. That's quite the loophole. Yep. And so she like starts researching him and she's like, I know this is the guy. Yeah. It has to be him. And so she realizes that he's been AWOL from his halfway house since June 4th, which was three days before her mother was killed oh my and Brush was attacked. Um, he had previous convictions of attacking elderly victims um, and a lot of similar convictions. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was already convicted of raping his own children, yeah. which is awful. And so... She is like, it's got to be him. And so she's like, I got to figure out where he's being held. And her plan was to write letters to him to get him to send a letter back so that she could have his DNA on the envelope. Smart. And so she realizes that he's at the same prison as her husband. Oh, my gosh. So she tries her strategy of writing letters and he doesn't write anything back. And so she goes to visit her husband And is like, hey, do you know somebody named Earl Mann? And he's like, yeah, he's sitting right behind you. Oh, my gosh. So she's like, okay, I'm going to pretend like I'm going to go to the vending machine. So she walks over to the vending machine so she can look at him. And they make eye contact. And she's like, she realizes that he knows who she is. And she doesn't want him to know that she knows that he did it. Oh, my gosh. So she smiles at him. Oh, my gosh. And walks back and tells her husband, you need to get his DNA. Oh, my God. And he's like, I can't do that. And she was like, this is the only way to prove your innocence. Oh, my gosh. So he steals a cigarette butt of Earl's. And the next day, Earl's transferred. Oh, my gosh. I know. And so Clarence puts the cigarette butt in a Bible for two weeks to, like, flatten it so that he can send it in an envelope. Oh, my gosh. And then the courts are like, okay, well, if the DNA matches him, like, we'll grant Clarence a retrial, but you have to pay for the DNA testing yourself. Oh, my gosh. Our justice system is insane. So she ends up raising $40,000. That's how much it it takes to test? Yep. But she convinced a Texas lab to test for $25,000. Well, what a deal. Right? My God, land of the free. Good Lord. Right. So they get it tested, and it is a match to Earl Mann. Oh, my gosh. So they immediately... You mean that Earl Mann's yeah. te- uh, DNA was the, a match to, to the, the... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes. So it was Earl Mann oh who my gosh. did this. And so they, like, immediately, they work with the Ohio Innocence Project, and his uh, Clarence's conviction gets overturned. Wow. And so um, Earl pled guilty and took a deal of 55 years... He won't be eligible for parole until he's 92. Yeah. Which, I mean, he smokes, so, like, he's probably not going to make it. Yeah, even really healthy people don't make it Also, I've heard that, like, child molesters and child rapists don't do great in jail. Yeah, prison prison justice is pretty swift. Yeah. So, um, 
Melinda still continues to like use DNA to help these people oh find their my Hicks, goodness. find these Hicks babies, find their families. Um, and she actually ended up finding her biological parents. Oh my gosh. Well, she so, deserves it yeah. after all of this. So her father was the mayor of McKaysville at the time. <laughs> and her mother was a really young girl who the mayor was having an affair Oy with. Vey. And so they think that the girl went to the Hicks clinic to have an abortion oh and Dr. Hicks convinced her not to. And I mean, the mayor was having affairs. I think one of the kids, um, dads was the sheriff. So it's like everybody in town, like knew what was happening. Everyone was doing and it with somebody they were not supposed to be doing. Exactly. It so, um, yeah, Melinda ended up finding her birth family. She still helps some of these Hicks babies find their own family. And she's like a crazy, the baddest of asses yeah. and freed her husband. Yeah craziest like independent detective whoa dude i feel like stories like that that are like wives or mothers who are like nah dude this isn't right it's like they sometimes do better work than police or detectives even though police and detectives like are obviously like they do amazing work as well but it's just that like sheer like love yeah that they're like nope doesn't matter like doesn't matter what it takes there's nothing like a mother's love oh my for gosh. motivation like my so when i'm tangent story go for it um when i was like in high school my brother was in junior high we went to london on a family trip and my brother got on the subway and we didn't and the oh. doors closed oh, 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 oh. and i'm just screaming and my mom just casually walks up to the doors rips them open <laughs> grabs my brother out and that is like yeah the epitome of like how strong mothers yep. can be it's like moms who lift cars off yeah. of their off of their babies wow yeah. it also um i think of what was i mm, it was there i had an anecdote <laughs> about mothers loving there's so much smirnoff hmm yeah well, i don't got it I'll pull up my detox question. Oh, oh no, yeah, I remember. Yeah, you got it. I was thinking about, um, did you see, I can't remember the title of it. It's three billboards out of, outside yes. of like Ebbing, Missouri or something like that. Did you hear the real story? I, yes, I yeah, have heard okay. the real story. But after I watched that movie, what, what are you saying, Ryan? Three billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri. Um, so the movie is based on a true story where a mom, um, pays for three billboards outside of her town to basically that are asking the sheriff like why haven't you arrested who the man who raped and murdered my daughter and it's based on a true story yeah and it is like at the time like it wasn't like she named names like why haven't you need like arrested steve it was just like why haven't you like found this and i watched this movie and i'm not gonna remember the actress's name who's in it but i was like I called my mom immediately after and I was like, mom, if things really went south for us, I feel like you would do this. But yeah. Like this woman is like badass, like rough and tumble like yeah. my mom. And I was like, this is a hundred percent what you would do. Yeah. So like, here's to hoping that you're never put in that position. But yeah, it's moms. Yeah. Man. Moms. Moms. Good Lord. Okay. So now that I remember that and have proven that I'm not mm-hmm. super drunk, what is your detox question? I've got my detox question ready. All right. Let's see. How could carousels be spiced up so they're more exciting? <laughs> What's your pl- 
plan for spicing up what carousels? My, you know, I have not released my 2020 presidential plan for carousels mm-hmm. yet. Uh, I was working on like gun control and prison reform. Um, but no, no, this but is carousels is really pressing. I'm trying to remember the last time I rode a carousel. I feel like it's been a minute um, to be spiced up. Hmm. I feel like I would be more excited to ride a carousel if it wasn't just a horse, if perhaps it was like a unicorn um, or mm. if uh, the music wasn't carousel music, like let's say it was a good like Beyonce and Jay-Z number. Mm. I don't know. Okay. Like I feel like that could spice yeah. it up a little bit. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on the pressing carousel question? Well, I was thinking maybe make the middle a bar. Honestly, that'd be pretty good too. I'd be or into like that. a bakery. Honestly, yeah. Pass yeah, out yeah, cookies. Yeah. Pass out be- beers. 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 Um. Yeah. That that sounds good. Um. Speaking of passing things out, did you guys know that there is a living spaces store in La Mirada? Living spaces. Right. Did you know this? I didn't. I am in the market for a new couch, and I was like. I heard my mother's voice in my head, like, don't order anything you haven't sat on. And so I like Googled like where the nearest living spaces was. It's in like the warehouse part of La Mirada, which you don't expect anything nice to be in. Been there forever? I don't know. But I like walk into this place and it was like, like it was this amazing home decor store. It had all these like Magnolia like farm stuff. And I'm walking in like in my gym attire. I don't look like I have any money to spend because I don't. Yes. And they were like, hi, can we get you something to drink? Uh, We have soda. We have tea. We have coffee. And I was like, can I have a have a diet coke and they're like yes you can like would you like a cookie that we also have those and i was just like what is happening i'm obviously probably not even gonna buy anything here yeah unless it's on extra super clearance sale but it was magnificent so i was thinking about that's amazing it was really great but yeah la mirada like in the middle of warehouse district it was crazy if you've never been to la mirada i Mm. really urge you to visit it's a beautiful place you are you really want to send a postcard from there to your loved ones the the birth of our friendships the birth of your love which led to the birth of your unnamed child unnamed child i'm glad we've tackled the carousel thing that's yeah 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 Yeah. well uh this has been all right this has been great Cheers. cheers